This morning we're going to be continuing our, our sermon series called Give Up Worry. And we're going to be reading from, again, this week, the Gospel of Matthew. And we're going to be picking up in chapter 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud covered, or a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said, Don't be afraid. When they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they only saw Jesus. May we be blessed this morning by the reading and the hearing of these words of our scriptures. Let's pray. Good morning, Lord. We thank you for this time, this place, this opportunity to gather together with family and friends and loved ones. And as we now together turn our attention to your scriptures, we pray that you might open our ears that we might hear. But Lord, as humans, we're really good at, at hearing but not listening. And sometimes when we begin to hear, we automatically jump to the end. We make our conclusions or we prepare our rebuttals. This morning, help us to truly, truly work on listening. As Megan reminded us this morning, listening for your voice. So let it be your voice that we hear this morning. Hide me behind your cross. So that what we experience is you, your grace and your mercy, your love, your patience, your joy your justice, and your righteousness. For all these things in your most holy and precious name. Amen. So what is going on here in this story? Um, it's a story that many of us, especially if we uh, have grown up in the church, we're familiar with the story. But I think that for us to really appreciate this story, we need to get a little bit of a context Right, because um, Matthew's telling a whole story, and so he's got this story right here. What's going on? So, if you look just back a little bit, this comes right after Jesus has predicted his own death. Um, so he they they get this news about difficulty, hardship, and then all of a sudden you get this opportunity to see Jesus in all his glory. That's what he's doing for the disciples, right? Um, so last week. 
we started out, we looked at this temptation. Jesus' ministry begins temptation in chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, again, we're looking at context here. In chapter 5 through chapter 7, you get the, um, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount begins with nine blessings that we, um, that we call the Beatitudes. And it's interesting to call them blessings because when you read closely, uh, you might think to yourself, I'd rather not be blessed. Right? Um, and when you, look at the, when you look at the Beatitudes, a good way to look at them is uh, in, in threes, like triad, group, group them. And so what we begin to see is uh, what Jesus is doing in, the, in this sermon is he's establishing what the, what the purpose of his ministry, what his ministry is all about, and what people that are engaged in his ministry are going to be facing, what they're going to be doing. And, and so it's all of these things, right? It's, it's, it's a sermon, yes, but it's also prep work. Jesus has been prepped, now he's prepping, he's preparing. And he's telling them, right, that one of the things is that if you're going to be part of what, what he calls sort of this kingdom community, you're going to be a peacemaker. A peacemaker by its very definition, warns, uh, means that you are going to have to be where there is conflict. You cannot make peace by running away from conflict. You have to actually be in it, which I just want to right off the bat say, no, thank you. I, I, I don't like it. Um, now, I will tell you this, early on, it, when I entered into vocational ministry, I served under a pastor who was um, conflict avoidant. That's even worse, though. Even though that's my, I might want to go there, so uh, we're going to have to learn to deal with it. But if you are working towards peace, this is what Jesus, I want to go back and I want to look at this, right? Um, again, we're, all, we're building up to what's, the, what's going on with the uh, transfiguration, but bear with me for a second. So he tells them early on, well, let me just read the Beatitudes for you, because this is like who we are going to be if we are engaged in being part of the kingdom community. God blesses those who are poor and realizes their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will become comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. That's the first triad. The second one, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. So let me just kind of give you an example in this triad how that works. So if you are a person who is hungry and thirsty for justice, you will be satisfied at some point, right? But you also will be merciful in your seeking of justice. You will show mercy, and you will be shown mercy. You also will have a pure heart. Your, your seeking of justice, the kind of justice that God is calling, towards, calling us towards, will come from a place of a pure heart. And when you have that pure heart, you will see God. Now, transfiguration, all right? So, the, next, the, the third triad is this. God blesses those who work for peace. For they will be called the children of God. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. So what's going to happen if you are a peacemaker and in the process of trying to make peace, you're trying to make things right? What's going to happen? You're going to be persecuted. Congratulations. But it's for the kingdom of heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven is yours. Great, thank you. Well, it could be thank you. If I'm a 
part of the kingdom community right now, but if I'm saying that everything is deferred until I die, no thank you. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you're my followers. So what are things that you can expect if you're going to be a peacemaker? You can expect people to mock you, to persecute you, and to lie about you and to say all sorts of evil things about you. Be happy about it. (laughs) Be very glad. For a great reward, reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Okay, so context, right? He warns them that this is not going to be easy. Then what he does is he even sends them out on their own, and that doesn't go so well. You need to be ready to experience conflict, difficulty, and pain if you're really going to become part of the kingdom community with Jesus. Great place to end. Amen. Go home. Peacemaking is seeking right relationships with our neighbors and our enemies. And what he tells us is that peacemaking won't always be peaceful. I wish it was. I like to be liked. Does anybody else like to be liked? All right, it's nice. I mean, none of us are like, yay, people think I'm a jerk. Woo! If you long to see the world made right and you actually take the ethic of Jesus, of generous mercy, um, seriously, get ready to be involved in arenas of conflict where the generous mercy of Jesus is most needed. If we take the generous, let me just, I'm just trying to say this in a different way. If we take the generous mercy of Jesus seriously, expect to be in places where the generous mercy of Jesus is most needed. Because peace is not the absence of conflict, but it is the presence of harmony. It's us bringing harmony into arenas of conflict. And so after the this, this, this sermons, right, the disciples, they see Jesus perform miracles. He warns them about the cost of being a disciple. Like I said, he sends them out on their own way where they experience all of this firsthand. So in context, right, it appears that fresh on their minds, just before the transfiguration, they're very aware of the need for self-denial and cross-carrying. He just talked about his own death. If they're going to really, if they're really going to become a part of the kingdom community with Jesus, these are the things that were expected of us. This idea of cross-carrying. If you long to see the world made right and you actually take the ethic of Jesus of generous mercy, get ready. Stones are coming your way. As Stan Mitchell wrote, if you claim to be someone's ally but aren't getting hit by some of the stones thrown at them, you aren't standing close enough. doesn't mean the stones won't hurt. And as I was reading that quote this week, it reminded me of a story. So when I was young, I grew up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I'm not going to give that whole story again. But uh, 
we moved, at one point we moved from basically like right in Cleveland. Let me, give it, let me put it this way. We moved from like Madison out to Mount Juliet. All right. Now, also picture back in the 70s, those of you that were around then, what that might have looked like in this area. All right. So we moved out there, but neighborhoods were being built. And so we, we, my parents bought into one of the new neighborhoods that was being built, which meant there was construction going on, right? I mean, if it, okay. So anyway, but our street, which I thought was really long, I drove back as an adult. It, anyway, um, but you know, as a kid, it feels really long. Everything seems really big. And there was this one section right in the middle of the street that hadn't been built yet. And so there were still like woods and things there. And so what happened was, now again, uh, we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about a uh, future suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. So we're suburbs, and we're like, sub- we're like the suburbs of the suburbs. And, but we thought we were really cool, and we thought we were really tough, and so gangs formed, elementary school gangs, <sighs> right? And so you, we had the one end of uh, Rose Bell. That's what I lived on, Rose Bell. The, uh, Ro- you can't have a gang and live on the street Rose Bell. Anyway, so, but we thought we did. And we're in elementary school, and anyone that lived on this side of the construction, the, the woods, was part of the one gang, and anybody that lived on the other side was part of the other gang. They lived at the other end of the street, right? And so anyway, one day, for some reason, we both ended up, both of our gangs, <laughs> it's ridiculous even saying it, but I'm going to say it that way because it's fun. And so anyway, uh, we came together, and we accidentally met up at a construction site where they were building one of the houses. And we both wanted to play there. Neither one of us should have been there, but we wanted to play there because that's what elementary kids do. We play in construction sites. At least we did. And it was one of those deals where they had just dumped all of the gravel. Yeah, right? There was a huge hill of just gravel. And it was that gravel, you know the kind that like when you pick it up, your hands get chalky? You know, because they're going to use it for paving stuff. All right, so it was that. And so what we decided is we were, each gang was going to select its champion. We, ch- we selected Mike Emerson because he could kick all of our butts, and we were sure that he could take anybody that they could put out there. And what we were going to do is the two of them were going to play King of the Hill. And whoever won got to play at that construction site, and the other gang had to leave. And we all agreed to it. And so we're standing there, and my, our champion goes up, and their champion goes up. And the next thing you know, someone slings a rock. And you know what happened? A rock war broke out between our gang and their gang. Yeah, I'm picturing more like the uh, uh, Little Rascals. <laughs> Larry's pic- picturing West Side Story. I'm thinking Little Rascals. Anyway... You can try to figure out which rascal I was. But anyway, so as I was thinking about that, though, this week, one of the things that re- I, 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 I thought about, and I didn't think about it at the time, but I was thinking about it now. When I went home, there was more, there was more rock dust on my hands than on my clothes. I had thrown way more rocks than I was actually hit by. Let that sink in for a minute. When we get slinging rocks, 
we actually end up throwing a lot more than we're actually hit by. And here's the thing. We're not called to pick up stones. We're called to pick up crosses. That's what being part of the kingdom community is about. And so I started thinking about, well, what is a kingdom? Like, all right, it's very fun. It's very cute. We talk about, ooh, we're part of a kingdom community. But what actually is the kingdom community? And how are we trying to do that here? This is a ministry that God began through Jesus. Then Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit for us to begin. And so a lot of times here at Grace, what we talk about is being a safe place. And that, that can also be just sort of the way we're wording kingdom community. Because right? being a safe place doesn't mean our feelings won't be hurt or that we won't be offended from time to time by each other because someone else has a different opinion or belief. That's not what it means to be safe. It doesn't mean that you're surrounded by everybody who thinks and believes just the same way you do. But it does mean that you're not going to be attacked for your opinions or beliefs by anyone else in the community. We're going to be okay with not thinking and believing and having the same opinions as others. In a safe community, all beliefs and opinions are welcome, but not all behaviors are tolerated. You can disagree with one another, but you can't throw a rock. You can't attack somebody or intend to do harm to them because of your disagreement. Attacking another person because you disagree with them is never okay. You've taken, you've taken it to a next level. You disagree with somebody. Somebody says something that bothers you. And so you begin to do a, a character assassination on them. That is a way, that's, that's way over the top. It's, that becomes simply doing violence to another person without actually hitting them. And for some reason, often in kingdom communities, we accept that kind of violence. And then as a safe person, creating a safe place, participating in the kingdom community, we need to not only be committed to not perpetuating violence, we also need to be committed to stopping it when we see it or when we hear it. It can be hard because often the people in our kingdom community are our closest friends, and confronting unacceptable behavior is hard. We don't want to hurt their feelings. And maybe it's also because we don't want them to turn around and do violence to us. But as part of the kingdom community, we recognize the inherent value and worth of everyone. Everyone. Not just the ones that are closest to us. So we will hold the ones closest to us accountable for treating everybody with respect and the honor that they deserve because they are a human being created in the image of God. So we're going to be willing to risk having violence turned on us in an attempt to end violence. Because being a safe place or a kingdom community doesn't mean that you won't find yourself attacked for your opinions or beliefs or anything else for that matter. We live in this world. Jesus says they're in this world, but they're not of this world. But if you're in the world, get ready. 
right? But it does mean that the attack won't, should not, come from within the community. So that when the attack comes, and they will according to Jesus, we just looked at that, right? You have a safe place to escape to in order to recover and get ready to go on again. We see this often in churches already. I remember a uh, church I served before I came here, a friend of mine, um, she was going through a divorce. And she became really active in church because she felt like that was a safe place where she could come in order to participate and, and, and kind of be nurtured a little bit because the divorce hurts. And so she comes to church, and she's, she's there, and she started coming to Sunday school and everything like that. The problem was once the divorce was over and uh, she was ready to move on, she also moved on. See, the problem is if we only participate in the community when we need a safe space, we're not actually part of the community. We're just using the community. To be part of the community, we find a safe respite, but also we are the safe respite. By being a place where we and others can find healing, we can begin to end that cycle of violence, right? We talked about that last week. Hurt people hurt people. And so after all of this, right, Jesus has talked about all, like, it is, it is people are going to say things about you, they're going to sling stones at you, they're going to do all this, and it's going to end up I'm trying, you know, and again, not me, Jesus, is trying to create this thing, and he tells him it's going to end in my death. I had a friend one time tell me, who do you think you are, Jeff? I was lamenting, right? Because somebody had said something mean about me, and I, because it does, it hurts. I'm not going to lie, right? But, my, but he looked at me, and he said, Jeff, who do you think you are? The person you're trying to follow was crucified for this. Get over it. Someone said something mean about you. Do you really think that you're going to be able to avoid the cross if you take Jesus seriously? Doesn't mean I gotta like it. So after all of this, right, he tells them all of that. Then he leads Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain and gives them a glimpse of the kingdom community. They see Jesus in all of his heavenly glory, conversing with Moses and Elijah. To hear the voice of God. Could you imagine? Aren't there times in your life where you just like to be able to sit back and see Jesus in all his glory? Hear the voice of God. Now this is a, what they're receiving here is a gift, but it's also a promise. Self-denial and cross-carrying are hard, but it's worth it. Because in those moments, we can actually catch a glimpse of heaven blessings and it makes it worth it in our efforts to be peacemakers safe people creating safe spaces we also find ourselves experiencing peace in the midst of conflict we we find ourselves in the presence of harmony and can you blame them when they don't want to leave hey let's build let's just stay here it's safe it's comfortable we're with jesus we can hear the word of god we can hear the voice of god it's a nice place. We'll just sort of build some things and we can worship. It'll be a safe place for us. We'll just all come in. We'll, get, we'll worship and we'll all feel real good. 
I don't blame them. They don't want to leave because it can be hard to not perpetuate the hurt in this world. We can get worn out when everyone around us seems so unconcerned about whether or not they're hurting people. The easiest thing to do is pick up a rock and sling it back. We've even made it easier than ever before, right? When I was a kid and I picked up and slung a rock, guess what? Someone was standing right there to sling one back at me. Nowadays, I can just go on social media. Oh, what about, when were the good old days when you just punched somebody in the face? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, just, just a joke. Yeah, it still hurts. Sorry. Right, but we get worn out, and then we experience a glimpse of heaven, and it's peaceful, and it feels safe. And sometimes we want to simply gather up with those like us that ignore the rest of the world. But we need to continue. We need to continue. Unfortunately, as Jesus told his disciples, to be a peacemaker, we need to be in the arena of conflict where the generous mercy of Jesus is most needed. Like we said just a few moments ago. And so he tells them, come on. Come on. Now I noticed the irony, and you can see it really good in the bulletin. I I titled the sermon series, Give Up Worry, and then the sermon title this morning is Don't Give Up. But I think it's worry that keeps us from continuing as peacemakers. Worrying that we aren't really making a difference in the world. Worrying that others don't really care. Worrying that in the end, we ourselves are going to get hurt beyond healing. And maybe some of us, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you actually feel that way right now. Maybe, maybe you're at a place right now where you're wounded. And if that is you, take a break. It's okay. Take a break. Go with Jesus up the mountain. Catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God. Come here. Find safety in this community. Find healing around people that aren't going to judge you, they're not going to hurt you. You may not agree with everybody, but you're not going to be attacked. But after a while, it's time to come back down. We can't stay huddled. We can't stay there, at least just not yet. But it's a promise, and it's a gift. But we can't give up trying to bring peace and healing into a hurting world. We can't. We can't stop trying to continue the work started by Jesus. We can't stop the work of ushering in the kingdom community. We can't stop trying to be a community where the generous mercy of Jesus Christ reigns. Amen.